You are listening to Right Off the Bus. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 23 of Right Off the Bus. Welcome back, guys. I'm back. It's Wednesday, June 2nd. I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Pat Mahoney. I'm Chandler Hutchison. So happy to be back here, Pat. You know, as much as I enjoyed your solo episode, I was just jealous that I couldn't be there with you. But, (laughs) you know, I was on my little trip out to Yosemite, had a great vacation out to uh, Yosemite National Park, man. But I was still able to download episode 22, even with my spotty internet connection. So I got to check out that solo episode, Pat. How'd that feel, man? You were in a dead zone. So, (laughs) hey, nobody else has any excuse. I download and listen. Chandler, uh, Chandler's in a dead zone, still managed to do it. (laughs) Did it when I was in the park. Only time I had connection. One bar. Yeah, yeah, one bar. What what uh what network are you running? I got AT and T. So oh, that's what know, I yeah, that's what I got. A, so there was a time or two I had two bars in the valley, man. Okay, and, you know, okay. It was, it was good living. But Pat, how'd that solo episode feel, man? How was it? How was it that was experience? good. It was uh, it was fun. I mean, it was weird, like just talking to myself, which yeah. I know a lot of podcasters do as it is, but like. With sports, it's like usually in sports, there's two people. Someone's talking to someone else. So at a certain point, I felt like I was boring, but also, I I don't know. I thought I did a pretty good job, but I'm not going to be the judge of that. I would let everyone (laughs) else be the judge of that. So hopefully enjoyed it. I have no idea, but it, it was fine. I had a good time. I One thing, I thought it was really short. I was, like I said in the episode, I was like, oh, that was probably good, you know. 45 minutes to an hour but it was it was like an hour and four minutes i was like oh that's that's sweet dude time flies just because it's sports man it did fly like just sit there and talk about sports man we say it all the time that's what we love to do and i had said to you before the show i'm like yeah back at westfield on wskb i would do a two-hour sports show by myself at, at you know for weeks at a time and it's like it's like, man, I would, I would sit there and no one would be talking back to me. Sports is debate, man. Sports is fun. You know, you want to talk about it with people, but well, you did a great job, man. You kept it moving. And that's the toughest part. Like when you don't have someone going back and forth with you and you're like, okay, next topic. Oh, next bullet point. Oh, next. You know, it's like, it's like, it's not easy to keep it moving, man. You did a nice job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I know. WSKB, I wish we had like more, uh, more public callers when we when we had well obviously <laughs> i came in and did the sports show with you after you were doing it alone for a whole semester yeah but uh, i wish we got more like public callers because that would have been funny i'll never forget one time i had a public caller like a westfield townie because i was doing the show with timmy real my sophomore year and timmy's friend called in joking around you know with an accent like a fake bad accent saying like aaron Rodgers is way better than tom brady like blah 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 he could all this stuff and then we got like a legit caller from westfield being like i don't i don't know who that was trying to say this about and i was like some middle-aged man like angry that there is this like <laughs> this call into wskb i was like wow someone's actually listening to this i know this it'd be not- hard it'd be hard to take it serious because i would just be pumped that like oh someone someone in westfield's listening yeah i thought his friend was calling back again and then i'm like i i answer the phone and it's this random guy i was like should i put this random guy on it yeah like, you're like is, yeah. This, is this the same guy in a different accent just debating with himself <laughs> calling him I like trained all the DJs, like how to answer the phones and stuff and all that. But I was like nervous. I was like, this is a legit caller. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, 
Yeah, tell us about your trip, Chandler. What uh, what happened out there? Oh man, it was a good time. So we flew out to we flew out to Fresno, and it was about a two and a half hour drive up there. And my girlfriend got this little cabin, man. Like, I I wouldn't even guess that this thing's over like a hundred, two hundred square feet. Like, you walk in, it's you know living room plus fridge, little table in the corner, like the the kitchen is like shoved into the hallway and there's a bedroom and bathroom no internet like 20 minute drive to the gate at yosemite if there's bad traffic but man we were in the valley these just gorgeous walls three thousand feet you think of like the don wall and free solo and those mm-hmm. documentaries and man like you you see this dude free climbing three thousand feet and you know how crazy it is but when you're underneath that wall looking up three thousand feet and i brought my dad's old bad binoculars and I'm looking up and there's people 1500 feet on this wall, like just working on these routes and trying to climb. And, you know, we, we got to see some cool wildlife and, you know, it's just, it's one of the most scenic places in the world, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really incredible. These massive waterfalls and just all this greenery, but, you know, I don't want to get negative, but Pat, you know, it was the first, first good weather of the season um, in the Valley after a couple of days of good rain. We actually hiked in in snow like snowflakes, forty degrees on the first day we were there, and then a couple of days later it was eighty degrees. Was it because you were so high up, or was it just like snowing the, out there? The elevation changes in the valley from anywhere like four thousand to eight thousand feet, so the temperature in Yosemite gotcha. Valley could be, you know, fifty five degrees or eighty degrees, and then up Glacier Point, you know. 4,000 feet up, it could be 30 degrees different, but because it was the first good weather after some big rain, man, they were doing mm-hmm. controlled burning in the valley. They were lighting the valley on fire. You know, it, I, I don't know all the reasons. I'm not going to pretend to know all this plant stuff, but uh, yeah. you know, the ash puts different vitamins and minerals back into the soil and it lets things grow differently and it gets rid of competing things and blah, blah, blah. So it's like very important for the health of the park. Right. Mm-hmm. But man, they had the entire valley, which it's Yosemite National Park, but Yosemite Valley is where all the big cool walls are and the easy hikes and the waterfalls and, you know, where you bring your family, you know, the touristy stuff. Yep. It was on fire, man. Like had to have the windows up, like you had to turn your AC off and your lights on driving in. You're driving through smog, like you just see all these trees on fire. And it, it was like, it was a wild experience. So the like, sky was like smoky, like yeah for three days my girlfriend alex has asthma dude we had our hardest day hike planned for that thursday the valley was on fire the smoke up thousand feet thousands of feet on these walls we're up like we're up like 0.6 miles she has an asthma attack she can't breathe like you're literally breathing in smog there's ash falling like while you're hiking and you and it's and i was like (laughs) alex i was like alex we're done like you're you're having a horrible time you literally cannot breathe. And like, I, like, I don't want to sound like that, but I was, I was cruising, you know, I was feeling good. I was, yeah, I'm sure you were pumped, but, but, uh, man, the dude, the, the valley and the skies were on fire, man. It was like, I was like, Alex, we're going back to the cabin. We're grilling. We're going to be grilling all yeah, afternoon. To, we're doing s'mores and I'm crushing a bunch of beers. Like, let's go. We're <laughs> so out. one day it's, it's snowing snowflakes. And then the next it's snowing, just ash, ash. Dude, 80 degrees. That's like the twilight zone. That's crazy. Dude, it was like (laughs) as you get higher in elevation, the oxygen gets less and less as it is. So I can't even imagine. 
like dude we're we're walking around the valley like afterwards and she still can't breathe the next day her lungs are still having problems like she has asthma plus like breathing in smoke and ash i was like alex can we please turn around this is not a good idea and she's like trying to power through for me you know what i mean like, yeah and i'm like no let's stop let's stop but it was it was crazy seeing the burning i, I don't want to ramble on too long about it because i could do a full no, that's, that stuff Yosemite makes you nervous, but... man. I, I know they do it for a reason that that stuff always makes me nervous. My co- yeah. I have cousins who live in California and like mm. the wildfires, there are always insane. So, yeah, especially last year, the wildfires were so crazy. And yeah. I know there's a lot of control burning in the valley, but man, you're driving, you just see hot thousands of trees just singed, you know, and burnt and like, mm-hmm. it's, it's sad and some of it's necessary, but you know, I feel so bad for my girlfriend because she planned this trip for me, and she's like, "No, we don't get to do all this stuff." I was like, "I'm having a, I'm having a good <laughs> yeah, time. I'm like, like we're good." Like yeah, knowing me, like fire. I would just grill, I would just <laughs> grill and drink beers anyways. So there you go. Grab some sausages, some jalapenos, and onions all on the grill. Like, yeah, it's still a you good can time. buy singles of any IPA out there. I was crushing them. I was living good, man. <laughs> you can't get the good New England IPAs, can you though? Yeah, dude, I got like a couple, but it's what it's a lot of West Coast IPAs, which yeah. are a lot drier. The hops are different. It's a mm-hmm. totally different style of beer. And it was interesting. I drank a lot of different stuff. That that could be another full <laughs> podcast, Pat. The the beer we could talk about that forever with what I was, yeah, yeah. What, what I was drinking out there. But man, I won't ramble on too long. But uh it was it was an amazing trip, phenomenal vacation, you know. And Pat held it down here for the the right off the bus crew and <laughs> Pat's going on vacation soon too. So we're going to have yeah. to see what I End cook of up. June, I know. Week, yeah. You'll know? have to, you'll be there. Kind of and, feel uh, like I got to match the solo week now, but maybe I'll, nah, I you know, can, maybe yeah. I'll bring someone in. We'll there see. you go. We'll uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll figure that out when the time comes. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. But Pat, time to move on, run through some headlines before we get in to a lot of playoff basketball, man. A lot of exciting stuff to talk about as always, but Pat first, Adam Vinatieri retires 48 years old. Like, you just retiring from the NFL, Adam. You're 48 years old and you're just retiring. This is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, not even like I can't even imagine. I couldn't even believe he was still playing. Like I knew, I mean, I obviously knew how old he was, but I just couldn't even imagine that he was still playing. I like kind of forgot about Benetary. Yeah, it's nuts. It really is. And man, I just I just had to read these numbers off, Pat, because he's the all-time leading scorer in the NFL for points because kickers are directly responsible for all those points. Yeah. 2,673 points. That's a, that's, a, that's a lot of points to be directly responsible for in the NFL. Most ever, more than mm-hmm. any quarterback, wide receiver, running back, any of them. NFL record for most field goals made, 599. Wish he could have got that last one, 600, man. Yeah, he could have stuck around off. for one kick. <laughs> Come on. The Colts could have gave it to him. The Colts got to let him do like a 10 yard kick, like a super easy one. They got to, they got to, yeah. uh, most priests, most postseason points has scored more points than anyone in the playoffs. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. I know mm-hmm. quarterbacks, the points don't count, but whatever. And most overtime field goals made 12, which means game winning field goals. So man, shout out to Adam Vinatieri, obviously played for the Patriots forever, played for the Colts forever. And uh, is one of the all-time greats, clearly. I mean, is certainly in the argument for goat kicker, if, if there is an argument. Multiple Super Bowl rings, won playoff games for the Patriots in the snow, man. Won Super Bowls. I mean, I love Adam Vinatieri, man. I'm, this is one of those kickers that people buy a jersey of. And that's when yeah. you know. When, you're, when your kicker sells jerseys, that's when you know, man. Shout out, shout out Vinatieri. Yeah, arguably, now that he's retired, he might sell even more jerseys. Especially mm. Colts fans, they might want one. Maybe they'll go on sale. 
<laughs> those those NFL jerseys ain't cheap. Like, like I talked about it with Tebow last week. Those are like 120 bucks. You guys are buying Tebow jerseys? Come on, buy a Vinatieri jersey. <laughs> Something that'll last, you know. Something that'll last. The yeah, it's time. That's timeless. That is timeless. Obviously, first ballot Hall of Famer. There's no discussion there. Uh, we love you, Adam. You know, sh- shout out to a great career. <laughs> Pat, another uh, another headline, real quick, that I didn't really know about. Uh, you know, it's been mentioned a bunch, but June first in the NFL, man. So. This is today when we're recording. This episode comes out tomorrow, but this provision allows teams to allocate money from trades and cut players to the following season, mm-hmm. spread that money out over two years. So now that makes a Deshaun Watson trade easier. That makes a Julio Jones trade easier. That makes an Aaron Rodgers trade easier because you can work the money so differently now. And I just want to know your thoughts on this. Do you think that now that this date has passed, do you think that Julio Jones deal is going to just come out? Do you think that that Aaron Rodgers deal is made a lot easier? What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I saw this last week that uh, the Falcons were probably waiting till after June 1st to trade Julio. And I had actually, I hadn't heard of this provision. Like you said, I mean, it's, it was a surprise to me, but when I heard about it last week, I was like, I mean, it definitely makes sense because they can split the salary between this season and next season. So if they get, so if they get rid of them now, it's going to be a lot cheaper on their end. I believe that they'll just have more cap space, so they won't take much of a hit. And yeah, I think the the offers are getting better too. They wanted the first round pick. And I think the way teams are kind of compromising is that they're offering a future first rounder. So the Falcons are okay with that, where they, they probably wanted one this season, but I don't think any team was willing to do that for the next draft. So they're going to get, get one for a future season and they'll get a first rounder out of it, which would be a great deal for the Falcons. I mean, I said it last week, it was like injury, he's 32, salary problems. Mm. So if they could get a first rounder out of it, I think it's a no brainer for the Falcons. Definitely. And this will probably speed it up. I would, I would agree. And you think the same thing could happen for Rogers. Do you think that there's any way that maybe this expedites what's happening there? Maybe yeah. more realistic I, trade offers are coming in now with how the money. I, works? I think so. Yeah, I think so. And I, I, at this point, I just don't know what the most realistic trade is for Rogers. I don't know what team he'll go to. I mean, I still see the Broncos as kind of like a, mm. a forefront option, but I don't know. I, I just don't know. I mean, the, the Packers are going to have to work to mend that relationship if they really want to keep them. And if Rogers really wants to stay there, but I've seen like the Packers uh, wide receivers, like weren't showing up to the, I don't think they were mandatory anyways, but like the workouts and stuff. So I, it doesn't seem like a good situation over there. I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I, I could easily see Rogers getting traded now. Yeah. Yeah. Big day. I mean, this, like you said, this is like something that we kind of know about, but don't really care about. And it's like one of those Schefter tweets where you just clear the notification because you see, oh, on June 1st, the whatever, you know, so, yeah. hey, this is this is a big deal. So maybe we'll see some of those deals go through, Pat. And when we end podcasts, something serious always drops right when we stop recording. So I bet Julio Jones gets traded in about an hour 15. Yeah. Know, now that now that this is opened up. <laughs> yeah, we'll, mi- we'll miss something. We, mi- we miss something big every week. So it just happens. <laughs> All right. Next headline, man. We got a few soccer ones. So Chelsea win the UEFA Champions League. Pat, I didn't think I'd be saying that, man. I mean, I thought I that Chelsea either. being in Liverpool's way was great. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, Real Madrid will beat Chelsea. Oh, Man City should handle them. But man, one nothing. Kai Heiverts with with a big goal, and I mean, for a guy that needed a goal, hasn't been healthy enough, hasn't produced enough for Chelsea. But I mean, the fact that Lampard's spent two hundred twenty million and his team got worse. Thomas Tuchel comes in, leaves PSG to come here, and he brings them Champions League glory, man. And mm-hmm. they finished fourth in the Premier League. 
you know, and obviously they're secured with Champions League next year. But this is huge, man. I mean, the amount of money that they're going to get to throw back into this team. Yeah. I think this team has the potential to be one of the best in the world for the next couple of years with how many young guys they have. The the great young players they're going to bring in from their hundreds of millions. And I mean, you lost Eden Hazard two years ago. That's your, that's the best player you've ever had. I know. And, and this is what you do. This is, this is great, man. Shout out to Keegan Nutt and Matt Bird. If either of you were listening, my Chelsea boys, uh, you know, this, this is incredible. This is awesome for Chelsea. It sucks to say as a Man City fan, I, I know, you know, you gotta, you gotta say it from the other side, but this is, this was, this was shocking. It was shocking. Yeah. And Chelsea's not a team I dislike. I mean, they kind of had Man City's number all year. They had just won a couple weeks prior in the Premier League. Although City won the Premier League, Chelsea did beat them like two weeks prior. And I knew Tuchel was capable of this as a head coach. I always liked him when he was at Dortmund and went to PSG. And PSG just kind of, no matter who's coach at PSG, it's like in European football especially, it's always a struggle. I know they didn't even win the, uh, the French League one this year. So they had a struggle with Pochettino. But I knew Tuchel was capable of it, and it does break my heart with Chelsea. But City, I mean, their offense, I don't know if it was a case of, like, the offense just not showing up. They didn't look that creative. But also, Chelsea's defense was really, really good. I mean, they you got to give them credit, too, because they didn't allow for a lot, of, uh, a lot of those opportunities. I don't think City even had a shot on target in the first half, and I don't know what their final numbers ended up at. But De Bruyne getting uh, injured, I think he had, like, a slight nose break and, like, a contusion in his face. So De Bruyne getting sent off didn't help, and the team just didn't look creative. It was it was a tough loss, but yeah, credit to Chelsea. They were huge underdogs. I think they were like a plus three thirty underdog betting coming into this. So yeah, I mean credit to Chelsea where credits due. Yeah, no, def definitely a surprising win. A lot of credit to them. Tuchel did awesome, and like I said, this team gets the money if they let them spend the way that they should. This team's gonna be scary. I mean, they're, they're already winning. This team could be, this team could be scary. And Pat, not to go on with bad news for Manchester city. And we mentioned it briefly, but Aguero officially announced as a Barcelona player. I sent you the picture, man. I was like, Ooh, this is just weird. Yeah. Probably the best player in the history of man city. You know, this is, this is weird to see going to team. up. I, know. I wish they, Leo. I wish they could have waited a week. Cause like <laughs> he had just played in the champions league final two days prior. And then you send me the picture literally two days later. And he's in a Barcelona Jersey, like already got his physical. He's getting revealed as a Barcelona player. I'm like, this is still so fresh. I'm like, could we not move on this quickly? I'm like, come on. And it's not like Aguero. Like it's good to see him, you know, move on to a team that's going to utilize him hopefully. But uh, yeah, it was, it was sad. I mean, that was just too quick, two days. That's when you sent that back to me, you're like, dude, this was two days. I like didn't have that in perspective. And I was like, damn, like he played in that final in Portugal and then just flew up to bars. Like he didn't even go back to Manchester. Yeah, It went from, it went from what could have been like one of the best storylines of all time. Like Aguero in his last performance Mm. for city. Imagine like he scored an equalizer or a winner for city in the champions Mm. league final. Like finally they win the European title, but it just wasn't to be. And two days later, he's gone. So it's just yeah. how it works out, I guess. Hey, more trouble in paradise at Real Madrid. Uh, Zinedine Zidane leaves. He's He said, I'm done. He left Real Madrid. At, you know, it might be for the best. Yeah, potentially like Super League stuff, money stuff. But Carlo Ancelotti just left Everton literally this morning. And he said, I'm back at Real Madrid, which is this was a whirlwind. But just wanted to get that out there, dude. Zidane left, and that kind of makes me worry for Real Madrid because mm-hmm. Ancelotti's a great, phenomenal manager, but 
Man, trouble in paradise for Real if, if you got a guy like Zidane leaving. Right? I know. And wasn't a second time. Ancelotti was at Real Madrid before, right? And they won yep. the Champions League with him. But yep. obviously they had Ronaldo and now they don't. And they got Eden Hazard and he's injured all the time and doesn't even play. And he's not good. They don't have Gareth Bale anymore. Real Madrid, like it's weird. The two biggest teams, Real Madrid and Barcelona, just especially this season, did not look good at all. And Atletico, Atletico, Atletico won. Yeah, yeah, Atletico won and... It was just Atletico played great all season, but also Real Madrid and Barcelona mm-hmm. struggled. They did not play how they could have at all. Hilarious that they let Luis Suarez go, and he won the gold, and he won the Golden Boot and the yeah. for Atletico. It's like what? I, I didn't <laughs> get that at all. <laughs> all right, just quick word here, man. For me, I just had to sneak this in. Liverpool, they finished third in the Prem Pat. They were seventh in the Prem with like seven weeks left or something like that. Mm-hmm. This was. Klopp, you know, he said, this is a monumental accomplishment. This is massive. The fact they secured European football, that European money, you know, they, I mean, no, no one thought this was going to happen with weeks left. They had a historic collapse. This team finishing third is unbelievable. They just signed a 21 year old center back from RB Leipzig, Ibrahim Kanate, super excited, 42 mil. I'm just, I'm happy Liverpool figured it out the new year. They were blessed. You know, Leicester yeah. bottled it. Tottenham bottled it. Chelsea bottled it. So we, we got lucky, but the fact Liverpool could finish third is huge. <laughs> yeah, good work from them, especially to be back in the Champions League. And while we're on the Premier League too, I just thought of this, how Man City lost the Champions League final and then Man U lost the Europa League final. So mm-hmm. both the Manchester teams lost the biggest European finals that they could have lost. And I, feel, I was glad for Villarreal, though, because, man, you, regardless, they're in a Champions League spot in the Premier League. But right. also, if you win Europa League, you get to the Champions League anyways. But, yeah, both Manchester teams just flopping at the finish line. It's tough. Fine by me as a Liverpool fan. Yeah, you're okay. <laughs> it's tough. I don't like Man U anyways, but I, interesting point. Yeah. All right, two two more soccer things real quick. Antonio Conte leaving Inter. Inter Milan just ended Juventus's nine-year Serie A domination. And... They said we need to sell 60 million worth of our best players to make to make up money. Like, so one that means we're not gonna let you buy anyone, but we also just need to make 60 million profit after you just took our team that wasn't as good and made them the best in the league. I how how would you feel as a manager, Pat? And I don't blame him for leaving. I might have to go too. Yeah, that's tough. I would feel disrespected. I mean, you and Juventus is what did you say? Nine, nine, nine season nine title seasons. winning. Yeah, nine seasons of winning the title. And then you finally get it for Inter. And then they tell you you got to lose 60 million worth of players. I, ah, that's so tough. Was it just because of fans? Like, did they just not have the income that they're used to? I think it was everything. Yeah. Fans, concessions, losing money and other ventures because they're all big, you know, business owners. Yeah, COVID groups, was tough. But... COVID was tough for the big clubs. But I mean, to to win the league and then and then say, hey, uh, you need to sell your golden boot winner, Romelu Lukaku, who just won you the league um, because yeah. we don't have the money. It's it's a tough sell. It's a tough. It is sell. tough. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, no, last soccer point, real quick, Pat. Revs, top of the East, baby, and number one in a bunch of power rankings around the MLS. I just wanted to shout out our New England Revs because, dude, first place, man, that's a good feeling. Yeah, playing that's well. A good feeling. And I know I still want to go to a Revs game too, because especially if we're that good. So I would love to go see that. Capacity. Go see a win. 100% yeah, Gillette capacity. too. Gillette could be huge. 
I'm in. I'm in, Pat. I'm in. And Pat, this last headline, man. This is this is you right here, Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, no one's probably gonna watch this, but I will. Uh, Ultimate Fighter's coming back. I think it was like a three year break, but it's coming back. They're doing a little bit. I think it's gonna be a little more professional this time. It's gonna be like a better product. But uh, yeah, tonight, June first of recording. So tomorrow it'll have already debuted. But 9 p.m. Eastern time tonight, June first. I think it's just on ESPN Plus, maybe ESPN, but also just ESPN Plus. I'm not sure. But definitely ESPN Plus, and yeah, you can watch it. It's I I think it's a big deal because it's just it's a good show. I'm uh, I'm excited to watch. Yeah, man, and hey, there's always some phenomenal fighters that come out of there. Yeah, there's always some really impressive talent there. So Nate Diaz, Uriah Hall, Tony Ferguson, there's all sorts. Michael Chiesa. Mm. All right, Pat. Let's move on to a little little basketball. Obviously, you know, it's the talk of sports right now. It's the NBA playoffs. It's huge, Pat. I was surprisingly got to watch a couple couple parts of some NBA games while I was uh, out in Yosemite. We we had about a sixteen inch TV, actually kind of the size of my laptop right here, and uh, and we did uh, we did get a few channels, so we did throw that on here Sweet. and there. But uh, but Pat, I gotta say one thing I wanted to touch on real quick was uh, what what you brought up last week on the podcast. You know, kind of Adam Silver and the NBA saying that the playing tournament could could follow in the next season and it you know a lot of people liked it and it had amazing ratings you know and then also the idea of a mid-season tournament one i just want to re-emphasize the fact that i do not like the idea of a playing tournament i am not a fan i don't like it this year 20 out of 30 teams had a chance to compete the grizzlies were the 10 seed they were the 10 seed and they're playing the one seed, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't like it. I don't think all these teams should have a chance. But you got to admit, it did produce some good games. Like I talked about yeah. last week, like there were some good games. But so that's the argument. Like, you know, if it produces entertainment and good games like that, we wouldn't have gotten otherwise, you know, should it should it stay? But why are we playing it? Why are we playing all these games in the regular season then? Why not just yeah. do tournaments all year? Why not just do a tournament every every season, every you know, spring, summer, fall, winter? Let's just do a tournament. You know? I do agree. Two thirds of the league having an opportunity yeah. to make the playoffs is tough. That is tough to justify. Like, like I mean, man, now that Steph's not in it, like that's a huge blow to the league. No Steph, yeah. but. But I don't like the idea of it. But I do like the idea of a midseason tournament. You brought up European football, which I thought was the best. The best analogy for this is if you did a midseason tournament where it is single elimination, those would be the highest rated games. Mm-hmm. Single elimination, every single step along the way, like the FA Cup, like the DFB Pokal in Germany, like that would be phenomenal and. The incentives of giving these players millions of dollars and these, you know, massive amounts of money you'd be getting from the revenue from these things. Also, put them in different cities. Put mm-hmm. them put them all over the place. I don't care. This would be awesome. I, I would love if the NBA followed that model. I think that would be a great idea, personally. I yeah, really it's a like cool it. idea. But my thing was, like, it's going to be hard to get the bigger players who make a lot of money incentive because the obviously the million dollar payout per player for the winning team is incentive but is it enough incentive for guys like lebron and Giannis, mm-hmm. like who are getting the big paydays as it is you know guys who are on max contracts obviously the guys you know smaller like chris middleton and uh you know whoever else deandre and like just guys like that lower lower uh salary guys i mean a million dollars is a million dollars but for the higher payday guys, I don't know if they're going to play, if they're going to want to sit out for the regular mm. season games instead. So either it's going to take time or they're going to have to work to find something else that's going to want. It's going to have to get the big guys off the bench. 
Well, I think I think my one of my favorite things that unfortunately they did away with in the MLB was that the winner of the All Star game um, got home courted, you know, home field in the. Yeah, I World like that. Series. I like that too. What if you did that? You know, if you win for your conference, you get the you get the uh, home court. And yeah, the finals. Are, That's a possibility yeah. too. Just something like that. And make it a trophy. Make it a trophy mm-hmm. like it is in uh, like it is in England. You know, make it yep. so that that's a career accolade that you won the NBA in season tournament. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there's obviously a million hoops to jump through to make something like that happen. But just the idea of it, I like the idea. I like yeah, the idea. a lot of different schools of thought, and I definitely don't mind the thing about you know shortening the season from 82 to 78 games to accommodate it. Obviously, some teams would lose like two home games, but right. as a fan, I don't mind that at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. And, uh, we always say, Pat, no matter what the product they put out, we're going to watch it. Right. So, yeah. so <laughs> whatever they do, we're going to be tuning in and we're going to be exactly talking right. about it. <laughs> exactly right. All right, Pat. So we're just going to run through these eight playoff matchups and, you know, give our opinions on what's been yeah. going on. Oh, they've been so good. Yeah. Cause Pat, I mean, the last time I, I talked about these with you, it was before it was our mm-hmm. predictions, no games had happened. So, so let's, you know, let's dive in first, man. We got the Clippers and the Mavs. Series started off with, uh, you know, the Mavs winning the first game, but now it's 2-2. And I'll tell you, Kawhi looks like a man possessed in these last three games. And that is the difference. I said it, you know, before this, you know, before this series. If Kawhi and Paul George are locked in in defending Luka Doncic, Luka just doesn't have the help to make it happen. Yeah. Is Kristaps Porzingis a max player? Not really. No, no, definitely not. We were really hoping he'd be because he's seven three and he can shoot, but it's it's Luca, you know, versus the Clippers roster and the roster's deep and they're even missing Serge Ibaka here and there, who should be healthy for the second round and later in the series. I think that I think that the Clippers are going to wrap this up, and I am confident that they'll finish out this series. You know, and I did predict them in the beginning, but man, Luca's so much fun to watch if he stays healthy. And I know he's been banged up a little bit in the series. He's going to make every game interesting, you know, cause he's going to have 37, nine and five, you know, yep, yep. here and there, but I, I just, I, I still got the Clippers, man. I think two, two is a comfortable spot for them, especially going back to uh, Los Angeles game five. Yeah. I would agree with you. Cause I wrote like, it's a, it's been a weird series because the Mavs took both games in LA and then LA came back and took both games in Dallas and the Mavs going back home up to nothing. You figure like they're at least going to split, right? Go back to LA up three, one. They blew a great opportunity. They're going back to LA two to two tie. They could have swept in Dallas if, you know, if they had their right. heads on straight, but instead they're going back two two instead of three, one, or even, you know, just a sweet, complete sweep. So I, I don't know. They, they kind of blew the opportunity and now I just, I don't see them taking a third away game in LA. I got to figure the home team's going to win once. Right. Like I imagine it's LA in game five, game fives are always critical. I'm thinking LA wins game five too. Especially to your point after winning two in Dallas, you know, mm-hmm. do what Dallas couldn't, you know, win that home game that changes the series. And someone's got to win at home, right? Like, right. It's, all, like it's bound <laughs> <Maybe>. to happen. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it's all away games. I don't know. I could be totally wrong, but I just, I mean, it, it would be a bizarre series if nobody won at home. I would love that if we, that would be fun to talk about next week. That that would. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. Give us good content, right? So we we both got the Clippers coming out of this still, I think. Um, yeah, I think we so, both uh, we both got the box here too. Yeah. <laughs> so, Pat, I gotta tell you, man, I love I love what happened in this series because yeah. last year the narrative was 
Bam and Jimmy figured out how to team defense Giannis. They stopped them in the playoffs. This is the Heat team that beat them. You know, they're going to do it again, even though they had a bad year. No, 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 no. No chance. No team. I, how, Pat, you know how many times I've said this on this podcast. No team benefited from the NBA bubble more than the Miami Heat. They had to travel the least. They knew everywhere they were, the area, everything. They had the most young, experienced shooters contributing to their team with no fans, no travel, no away games, no heckling. And they lit it up. Where has Tyler Hero been? Where has Duncan Robinson been? Where is Jimmy Butler averaging triple doubles and people trying to tell me he's a top 10 player in the league? Man, He's as good as Jalen Brown. He's not, he's nothing crazy. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, I love, I love Jimmy Butler. I love his game. I love that he can get 21, five and five, but you know what he had in this series getting swept by the Milwaukee Bucks 15, eight and seven. That sounds nice. If you're Ben Simmons, right. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if you're like a guy that can't shoot and you know, you're, you're a second or third player on the team, his splits, Pat 30% from the field, 27% from three. 73 from the line jimmy butler man what what happened i'm stupidly confident i'm stupidly locked in i love that they got swept i was so sick of this heat team last year benefited from the bubble more than anyone and i'm so glad that that bubble has been burst man because remember when this team wouldn't include tyler hero for a trade for james harden yeah, look looking, at that. <laughs> looking like traded, a bad choice. They would have traded Harden, Achua. I mean, they would have traded Harden for Achua, Robinson, Hero, and a couple picks. Man, oh man, I, I'm like ranting, but dude, I, I was so happy this happened. The Bucks are my favorite team in the East now since the Celtics are going to get the gentleman's sweep. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's what I was saying to my buddy. I was like, I hope the Bucks just take it now because I certainly am not going to root for the Sixers. And the Nets looking like, I don't know, they're looking like the... Uh, whatever it is, the villains against the justice league. It's like Legion of doom. That's what it, yeah. They're a bunch of villains. Like it's dressed in all black. It's Kyrie Durant, freaking Harden playing literally 43 minutes a game. They're barely resting and spitting on logos. (laughs) Yeah. Stomping on the logo and uh, it's tough to see. Yeah. That's going to be tough for the Celtics, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll uh, root for the Bucks now in the East. Once the Celtics are officially out, which was looking very likely, yeah, I mean, you're right. Jimmy Butler is supposed to be the superstar. He's always the guy hounding on his teammates to play better. And he, you know, he comes out and puts this lineup. It's just, I get that the Bucs are tough to play against, but like if you're the superstar of the team, that is tough. And I get that, like you said, the supporting cast didn't really show up either. Tyler Harrow, Duncan Robinson, they didn't look great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the story of this series for me was Chris Middleton. He, uh, he was a beast all series, all four games. He had a great game, whether it was good field goal percentage or he had a lot of assists, a lot of rebounds. He was just doing his part the entire series. He did exactly what they needed them to do. So for me, like, yeah, for me, Chris Middleton was the MVP of this series. Middleton's a beast. Yeah, man. And I will say too, Drew Holiday, I think they way overpaid him mm-hmm. that $40 million a year they gave him. But Drew Holiday's perimeter defense is a game changer for, for this team. And Pat, um, I actually texted this to Connor Howe, man. But um, in in the offseason, I said that I wanted the Celtics to sign Bryn Forbes from the Spurs, just spot-up shooter more than anything. And I said it on their podcast, on all the balls. And they were giving me so much crap. They were like, who? 
What do you, what do you mean? We talk about free agents. We want Bryn Forbes average more points a game than Jimmy Butler in the series. He's there like you go. the third string shooting guard on the bucks. I'm just like, uh, this, this was a mess of a series and you had it on here too. Brooke Lopez, man, doing, doing his thing. Still doing, doing the thing. damn thing. He's been around <laughs> forever. I feel like and Robin Lopez, although Brooke's always been the, the more talented brother, but They've been around forever, man. Brooke, Brooke's still getting it done. I think he put up 25 in game four, a bunch of rebounds too, getting it, getting it done. All-time leading scorer for the for the New Jersey Nets before they New were Brooklyn, you know. <laughs> before they were Brooklyn, there you go. <laughs> next, next one, Pat, we got going in the West. Portland and Denver tied 2-2. I really love this matchup, and I feel like they get matched up like a good amount. I don't know why. Maybe it's I know it's like a geographical thing, like Denver and Portland. They're it's like a mountain West rivalry kind of deal, but Mm -hmm. I love, I love, love, love this matchup. I think, you know, each team can attack the opposing team's weaknesses very easily, which is why it's fun to watch, but I still think Joe kick is the best player on the floor. I still think he pulls the series out, Pat. I got to tell you at a series that I want to go seven games right now, this is one, like I would love to see a Dame Jokic game seven right now because they're, they're playing great, great Mm -hmm. basketball. Yeah. Besides Suns Lakers, this is, I mean, mm. even I was going to say they're right out there with each other. This is probably the most competitive series in the playoffs so far. Obviously, we got Clippers Mavs, but they kind of went 2-0, then back to 2-2. Right. We kind of think LA is starting to take over a little bit just with momentum. But this is, despite a 20-point win for the Blazers last game in game four, this is a very tight series, and I just don't I don't see that kind of deficit happening again to the Nuggets. I think it's going to be a close series from here on out. And I would agree with you. Like, I would love to see this go to seven games. And what was interesting to me was that I put here, the Nuggets head coach called the entire starting lineup soft. He's like, I, we had a lot of guys out there looking soft. We got to be better than that. So I'm curious to see if that'll demoralize the team or if that'll light a fire under them for game five and they'll come out and do what they need to do. Because at one point in that game, they were down like 30 points. Like, I think the Blazers started resting guys and it narrowed to 20 mm-hmm. for the final score. But it was really like th- a 30-point deficit for a while. That was really tough. They didn't score many points, and I'm curious what that does for the team. But I, I think uh, the Nuggets will come out looking much better. Yeah, and, I mean, you had mentioned it. You got to be fired up after that from your coach. I mean, yeah, back in the day, that happened in the locker room, and Larry Bird called his team, you know, a, a word I'm not going to say on this podcast. And then Kevin McHale came out and clotheslined Kurt Rambis, you know. So it's not quite going to be like that, but hopefully those Nuggets come out firing and they get physical and – and make sure Paul Millsap's in there to get down and dirty and get that get those vet guys out there that can you know change change the series. Definitely, yeah. and Aaron Gordon's got to be better too because he he did not have a good game last game whatsoever. Yeah, in game three he said I, I want to guard Dame, you know, and he did good. He and did then, great. Obviously, you know, Dame did his thing in game four. You, you know, it's when Dame time comes, you know, you just got to step out the way. It's yeah, Dame can adjust. <laughs> he can adjust better than anyone. So that's tough to even if you are guarding him, you better be ready to change up your uh change up your i don't know approach yeah absolutely man and moving on nets celtics now pat it's 3-1 you know uh no jalen brown no rob williams now kemba and missing games you know wasn't in game four won't be in game five neither will rob will and it's time you know it's the gentleman's sweep it's it's four to one this is what everyone expected we literally said Tatum's got us average 40 for them to have a chance. The only game they won, Tatum scored 50. Tatum quite literally has to score 50 to win in this series. Yeah. I mean, dude, 
the last game, the Nets' big three scored 104 points together. I mean, you can't do anything about it. Tatum's been balling. He doesn't have the help. He doesn't have Kemba. He doesn't have Jalen Brown. He doesn't have Rob Williams is what it is you know this is this is the nets and that's the thing it's not even a matter of their offense like they're scoring enough points to win but Mm -hmm. their defense like i don't know if it's just a case of bad defense it's also just terrible matchups i mean like you said 104 points for the big three like it's impossible to guard when they're on when Harden, Kyrie, and katie are on like it's impossible to guard them how are you gonna no matter like i was watching them play defense when durant scored like 42 points or whatever it was last game they're right in his face, but he just, you know, he can kind of do a step back and he can, he just drains it like right over you. It's just, there's not much you can do. And if, if the Nets miss, then we have a chance. But like, if, if they're on, I mean, it's, it's hard to win. You, you can't play defense against them. Yeah. And like you said, it's not like our offense is lacking. We had like 90 points at the end of the third quarter. Yeah. But we were down by 20. And it's exactly. Like, it's like, what is going on? You know, we end up losing by 15, but they score 141 points and they make it look easy. It's it's scary, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, watching game four, I was watching, like, we had, I think it was like 33 points at the end of the first quarter, but the Nets mm-hmm. were right there with us. And I was like, I was like, I don't know if we're going to keep scoring like this, but we certainly cannot let the Nets score like that because they will outpace us. Without a doubt, and they're going to do it again tonight. You know, when this episode comes out tomorrow, Pat, I fear that the Celtics will <laughs> it be will out of championship have, contention. <laughs> it will have been a gentleman's sweep this time tomorrow. Uh, tough stuff, man. Tough stuff. Now we're moving on to Phoenix and the Los Angeles Lakers. Tied 2-2, Pat. Anthony Davis is doubtful for game five, man. And I got to tell you, I think that we didn't give the Suns enough credit. I think that they are Definitely playing. Definitely didn't. I think they are playing super well. Well, like we both expected the Lakers to win, and I still expect the Lakers to win. But Phoenix has been awesome. Chris Paul is a warrior man. They're they're doing a lot of stuff. Aiton has been phenomenal, matching up with Anthony Davis and being around down low. Games with 21 and 16 and 14 mm-hmm. and 16. And he's playing awesome. He's playing physical. But I will say the two big things for me in the series one is can LeBron enter takeover mode? Can LeBron still do team on my back? You know, I'm the best player in the world, and no matter what happens, we are winning this game, and I'm going to have 40, 10, and 10. LeBron had his second serious injury of his career this year. He's in year 18. Can he stay healthy, and can he enter takeover mode? And then I will say CP3 shoulder, too. His, one of his shoulders is super hurt. He gets it massaged every time he's sitting on the bench. Can CP3 stay healthy and lead this team? I, those are my two big questions here, and I think those are going to be the deciding factors in the series. I agree. And it is going to depend. You mentioned DeAndre Ayton, like if his performance can continue, they, the Suns need him to play like he's been playing. Cause I do want to emphasize his stats 19.8 a game with 13 and a half rebounds as well per game in his first four playoff games ever. And he's shooting 81% from the field. Like he's just a monster down low. He does four for miss. five. Yeah. 81% from the field, putting up 20 points like, with that efficiency. I mean, feed that man, the ball. He's like, it's, it's crazy to put up that kind of stats. And then there's some other guys that are superstars in the playoffs that have just been putting up horrendous stats and horrendous field goal percentage, like Jimmy Butler. And then another guy I'll mention Russell Westbrook. So for Deandre Ayton, he's like the MVP of this series so far. And it, it's exciting to see him. I, I'm excited to see these young guys on the Suns start to play, uh, play like I know they can. And like you said, CP3 is the vet and hopefully his shoulders are right to continue 
it, it's like, I mean, he's continuing and he's a warrior. He's going to continue no matter what, but it is probably hindering his play. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And, you know, we all wanted to be healthy and win, but still got the Lakers at the end of the day in this series, personally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I won't back, I won't back down now. I didn't, right. I didn't have faith in the Suns then. I guess I won't now in a 2 2 series. <laughs> All right, Pat, moving on. Sixers leading the Wizards three to one. This is expected. This is what we thought was going to, I actually thought it was going to be a sweep, but I'll take five games. Sounds about right. Five games of them winning here, man. And the Sixers are just so well rounded. Seth Curry came back. You know, they just have the shooters around their two stars. Tobias Harris dropped like what 37 in one of the games. Yeah, I think it, game you know, two. You know, this this is just a horrible matchup for Washington. They don't have Thomas Bryant, they don't have Denny Ajiva. You know, it's 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 not a good situation. The Sixers should win this handily. Five games sounds perfectly right to me. Mm-hmm. The only reason they didn't get swept in four was because Embiid left the game early in game four. If he had stayed the whole way. I think the Sixers would have won and we would be looking at a clean sweep because like, yeah, this, I think the Wizards scored like 122 points or something like that. So it was right around there. And that's shocking to me because with Westbrook's stat line, like his shooting percentage has not been good so far in the series as it is. But in game four, he shot three for 19 from the field, mm. three for 19. He had 13 points from the free throw line, which is good. He always gets to the rack, but he missed 16 shots and he got 19 points. If he even put in half of those shots, he would have like a 40 point game. And he did get a crazy triple double with like 21 rebounds and like 14 assists. But going three for 19 from the field, it's amazing to me that even when them beat out that they won that game with that type of performance. Yeah, no, no, it is. I, I would have to look at the rest of the the uh, the box score, but Russell, you got to be better, man, and that's why no one's touching him on that contract right now. Uh-huh. I'll still be on my Kemba for Westbrook train, but I know it's not going to happen. <laughs> Pat, now this series is the one that we were just so unbelievably wrong about. I mean, the Hawks are up three one on the Knicks. I thought the Knicks would be th- up three one on the Hawks. I, I really did. This is uh, very surprising to me. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you may have also had the Knicks in the conference finals. So you you may have had them upsetting the Philadelphia 76ers. Did I? All, yeah, just to be bold. Yeah, yeah you don't got to call me. You don't got to call me out like that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, dude, Trey Young. Trey Young's built for these moments. Trey Young is built for the yeah, big he's, time. He's been a beast. And I mean, dude, he gets spit on and he's like, I don't care. Like, it just makes me want to win more. He's distant Spike Lee. Uh, this, this Hawks team's a lot of fun. I love the Clint Capella edition. I hope John Collins stays. It's so many young guys that are five, six, seven years away from their prime. So I can't wait to see what this team ends up doing. But I'm super surprised. I'm super surprised. I way underrated them. And I was super wrong about the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, I was too. And part of what I will say is that I did not expect Julius Randle to, you know, his performance to drop by like 50% from the regular mm-hmm. season because his stat line in this series, he's shooting 27 and a half from the field percent uh, and only 16.8 points per game compared to the 24.1 in the regular season. His rebounds were about the same, but the scoring and field goal percentage drop. I mean, it's just too much to overcome for the Knicks. I mean, that was the reason that they were in the position that they were in in the playoffs legitimate MVP candidate yeah to finally make the playoffs again on the on the heels of Julius Randle and then for him to you know not collapse but it's certainly not what we're used to seeing from him from this season so that was the biggest thing for me is that I 
rode the next thinking Julius Randle was going to stay hot and he just hasn't. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I don't, you know, I don't know if I just way overrated the Knicks or if I way underrated the Hawks. I feel like it's probably a little bit of both, but like you're saying, man, if your best player is playing like this, what can you do? Yeah. You know, and then if- on the other side of the coin, like you said, you have Trey Young doing his thing and he's just built for this type of this moment and these circumstances in the playoffs. So not a bad draft, man. You know, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, and DeAndre Eaton all doing their thing right now. It's it's fun to watch. All right, Pat, last one. Utah and Memphis. Memphis wins this first game against Utah with no Donovan Mitchell. Obviously, Mitchell was very upset about it. You had talked about that last week. But Utah is doing what they should be doing. One thing I like about the playoffs, and one of the reasons why I don't like that a 10 seed is in the playoffs against the one seed, is because playoff basketball evens out you don't see a lot of upset upsets, the best team, the most consistent team, it, it evens out and they win mm-hmm. the games. This is going to be a sweep after losing the first game. They're going to win four in a row. And this is kind this is kind of what I expected. I saw Memphis win and I was like, there's just no chance. There's just no chance Memphis wins this series. And Utah came back and they're doing their thing, man. Driving at Rudy Gobert is a scary proposition. I would not want to do it. Yeah. And I just don't think Memphis has enough. I mean, Donovan Mitchell coming back was the momentum change the Jazz needed. I said it. I was like, if, you know, the Jazz, I was like, the Grizzlies can win this series. And that was at the time. At the time, Donovan Mitchell was unclear if he was going to come back for game two or not and for the rest of the series. But he came back in game two, and I knew that was going to be the momentum change that the Jazz needed. And they're the one seed for a reason. I mean, they're very good without Mitchell, but with him, it's just a completely different ball game. And the Grizzlies just don't have enough. It's not John Morant's fault at all. And he's got 31, four and seven as his stat line for the series. Yeah. And that's for the four game series. And it's just, he had that 47 point performance too. It's definitely not his fault, but the jazz are just too much for him. Too, too well-rounded. Jaws so much fun to watch, man. He is. Can you believe that him and Zion played on the same AAU team? Like, I mean, Imagine the lobs. Just imagine the lobs. Unbelievable. Yeah, imagine playing <laughs> against that team. <laughs> would, have, would have been a scary sight. Would have been a scary sight. Pat, NBA has been a lot of fun, man. I'm excited for the next round matchups already, but there's still a lot of good basketball left to play. But we got to move on, Pat, and we're going to actually get on to runner's high. we get a little bit of a running update on uh, on our two runners that we've been keeping a tracker on, our Iron Cowboy tracker and our Hellas Debe tracker. But Pat, first, our, our Helissa Debe, you know, tracker, it's it's done, man. It's over. Yeah, he did it. Our boy, Helissa Debe, ran across America in 84 days. And, you know, everyone go follow him. His, his following's blown up since he started this, but at good 9 on IG. You guys got to check this guy out. There's just no one nicer, no one happier, no one more positive. But, Pat, I just want to read his Instagram post from when he finished this and – uh you know, not all of it, but just real quick. I mean, this is the caption to his post. 84 days, 14 states, 3,061 miles, 144,000 feet of elevation game, 336,000 calories burned, 726 hours of running. Ugh, I like running too. Swollen knees, ankles, feet, <laughs> shin splints, size 10 feet to size 11 and a half. How much his feet were swelling. On roads, mud, sand, gravel, in rain, or in sun, rain, wind, snow, many late nights, early mornings, when the tough days and 
when the tough days and times showed up, I always reminded myself my reason to do this is so much bigger than the temporary pain. So I pushed through no matter the circumstances. Thank you. And then he lists all of his sponsors and people, but that's his thing at the end of every single day he'd post but we push through no matter the circumstances no matter what keep pushing through 3000 miles man 84 days ran across the country from LA to New York this is unbelievable the this foot size change is like the most alarming thing from that entire <laughs> caption size 10 to an 11 and a half just from the swelling yeah like i didn't know his feet could swell like that where you, you literally change shoe size yeah no absolutely absolutely and that's why when uh when like people get real bad ankle and foot sprains and break things they won't want to take the cleat off or they don't want to take the shoe off because the foot will just balloon but yeah i mean this is just an absolutely incredible feat i mean people have done it before he's actually the first black person to do the transcontinental run which is awesome you know kind of kind of new ground in the ultra running community but Pat, I didn't even know before I told you before this, he went to UMass. You thought he did. I was totally wrong. Mm -hmm. I thought it was one of his buddies that went to UMass. He played soccer there and he played soccer for the Seattle Sounders. I had no idea. He's from Mali, came over here on scholarship and he played in the MLS, but then he just fell in love with running, man. He hasn't missed a day in over four years. He's ran every day for the last four years and very cool I mean, just an absolute inspiration man i uh i really loved seeing what he was doing and, and is uh, he still running every day now that this is over is he <laughs> yeah so in an interview they asked him he's like he was like well i'm i'm still gonna run tomorrow yeah and they're like how long he's like ah oh, no more than like two miles like nothing more because he was doing you know i mean i don't know what's what's three thousand uh, hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this real quick. Do some math on the fly. Three oh six one divided by eighty four. So he did thirty six and a half miles a day for eighty four days. So two miles is nothing. And he's what's like, a marathon? Twenty six point two. So he was doing a, a marathon <laughs> plus ten miles every day. Every day, well, obviously at his own days. pace, but like, oh my god. Yeah, I mean, absolute beast and. Robbie Ballinger has the record in this. He's an ultra runner, uh, the transcontinental run. He did it in 75 days. So it was really cool to see Robbie Ballinger there and giving him love and shouting him out. And then Pat, I mean, at, at the end, at the party, you know, Jim Shark had the big banner and all of his sponsors and all this stuff. And uh, he proposed to his girlfriend, who is like his camera woman and one of his social media people um at the end of this journey man so what a great way to uh Very to cool. wrap up the journey and great uh, way to cap it off hella congrats from the right off the bus family to yours as Love always that. <laughs> that's yeah, what awesome a, what a great way to end imagine she said no that would have been a scene man. that would have been tough that would have been a scene at <laughs> the finish like, that would have <laughs> been tough that's tough in any situation but especially <laughs> that be like man my feet are swollen i just ran for three thousand miles <laughs> jesus all you're thinking about is that shoe size, Pat. You, you can't get that. Yeah, off at least mind, give man. me a That's yes. Nice. Come on. <laughs> I need to go to Foot Locker to get all new shoes after that. <laughs> Pretty crazy, man. Shout out, Hella. You know, we DM'd him before he started this, not knowing that he was starting this challenge like a week after because he didn't post about it. But hey, maybe we'll get him on the pod. Talk about it. Yeah, we'll his reach out career. to him. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll, I'll reach out again. That's <laughs> for sure. And then, Pat, our other, our other ultra runner, man, James Lawrence. You guys know. The Iron Cowboy at Iron Cowboy James on IG. Pat, this guy is doing the most unbelievable physical feat I think that I can wrap my head around. He's doing 100 Ironman triathlons. I know you guys have heard me say this, but it is a 2.4 mile swim followed by a 112 mile bike ride. 
followed by a 26.2 mile run. And he is on day 93 of doing these every single day, which Pat, I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's stupid. It's, it's, it makes no sense. The record was 50. It was him. No one else had even tried it. He's on day 93 as we speak, Pat. I wonder if he'll just go to 100. Like, you just hit that triple digit number. Oh, that's, that's his plan. Yeah. His plan is 100 and then he's done. So he has, he, at tomorrow, he'll have one week left. One, but shoot, his times have gotten better. He feels healthy. He feels motivated. He's battling through every injury. And I mean, this is, this is the farthest the human body's ever been pushed as far as I'm concerned. This is, I mean, this is just so unbelievable. And, you know, I just, I want to say too, boo to the Iron Man organization because they keep reaching out saying, please stop calling these Iron Man triathlons. You're not doing this sanctioned by Iron Man. You're not blah, blah. And this stupid, stupid triathlon organization could have got behind this guy for bringing yeah. more awareness to their sport than anyone ever has. And instead they say, please stop saying this. Please stop saying this. You know what they should have done? They should have sent him a bunch of gear. They should be saying, thank you. Yeah. They should be sending him anything he wants, but instead they do this, which sucks, man. And he put up a post saying, no, I'm not going to, I'm not apologizing. And also you owe me $4,000 in race fee entries that you never paid me back because of COVID. And he, he was like, he was like, I'm done with you guys. And so shout out to James Lawrence and screw you, Iron Man. Screw you because this man is doing an amazing thing. Yeah. And you're pay the man his four grand and send him a send him a gearbox. Why don't you come on? Seriously, this is ridiculous. This man's on this day ninety three. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Oh man! All right, Pat. Any any thoughts on those, man? Or just gonna move? move <laughs> no, right now on. we can move oh, on. Man. That's all you. All right, all right. I didn't know. You know, I get I get very excited about my runners, so you know I need to make sure I give you the chance to squeak in if you want to. But all right, Pat. We got a couple listener questions. We'll run through right here. So first, this this one's for me. I was thinking about this while I was in Yosemite. I asked my girlfriend, "What athlete in one of these major sports would be the best rock climber, Pat?" My girlfriend immediately said Kevin Durant because he's so long and skinny. Yeah. I don't know what the best <laughs> qualities are for rock climbing. So like, that's, I know it's more of a question for you. I know it's from you, but more for you. No, I don't anyway, know. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, what does it take to be a rock climber? Like is the lankiness good? Like being long and slim. Yeah. But I mean, I guess it's a lot of grip strength and you definitely want to be long and thin, but I mean, if you're strong and you got a good reach, I feel like, I feel like those are solid, you know, like, like, I don't know, Kevin Durant's hands might be too big, you know, I don't know. True. Yeah, that, that might be hard to fit on a little hold, but I don't know. I thought of Rondo. I was like, Rondo is just so his wingspan's crazy. He's like six, one and super skinny. I was like, dude, I feel like football players are too muscular. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. One of those like smaller point guards who can also like palm the ball, like a Rondo. Maybe Dude, like Lamar. A, Lamar could. Maybe Lamar like a might be nice. Maybe like a Ricky Rubio. Maybe like a small mm. little slender point guard who can pound <laughs> the ball. Something like that. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, dude. I don't know. I mean, do hockey players have some hand strength from gripping that stick all the time? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like you said, we don't know hockey. I don't even. I know barely any hockey players. It's just the Bruins. I, I, I just feel like we couldn't throw some like jacked up guy on there, you know, like, no. I, like could Miles Garrett rock climb. That's just like too tough. much. That's just too, too, too much, much to carry him. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of weight, man. It's a lot of weight. All right, Pat, next question. So 
Man, we got the water bottle thrown at Kyrie. We got a fan spitting at Trey Young. We got a fan dumping popcorn on Russell Westbrook. We got a fan running onto the Sixers court during the Sixers Wizards game. And we got Jazz fans getting kicked out for being racist assholes heckling John Morant's family. Yep. What the hell is going on with NBA fans right now, dude? What I don't is know. Going on? It was like the uh the honeymoon phase, right? With fans being back. So I saw on Twitter someone was like that honeymoon phase with fans back was quick because uh it's Literally. since they've been back. I mean, I, I knew that there would probably be people are way too excited, they're drinking, concessions are back, and you know, it's playoffs too, so it's just it's almost like a perfect storm of like personality and excitement and just like, I don't know. It's the attitudes that came with this were just built for this type of behavior. So considering it's been a full year since anyone's even been in an arena like this with a full crowd, it, it's not surprising to me. It's surprising how many incidents we've had. So Mm. I think there's been like, what that was like five separate incidents already in like six different games. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not surprising to me just the amount that it has happened. I hope that it doesn't continue to happen, especially the ones like the water bottle and, you know, someone running out of the court, it's not that bad. It's you know, that happens in every sport, but like the other ones, like Trey young getting spit on, I guess ah, it's not good. Especially just, it reflects so poorly on the fan base. Like some these fan bases already get a bad rap as it is like the Knicks. The Knicks have a, they get a bad rap and someone that spits on Trey young, the Celtics get a bad rap at times. Someone throws a water bottle at Kyrie. And then you got the Sixers fans who also get a bad rap. Although, you know, I have my own opinion about the Sixers fans, but they dump popcorn on Russ as he's injured, leaving the arena. It's like, those are just the things we can't be doing like run on the court, whatever, but you can't be like literally assaulting players. You know, that's, ah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, you hope that you hope that this goes away fast and you hope that it's uh, I, I hate blaming COVID for this. People are like, oh, it's COVID, you know, it's an excuse. But it's like it's like, man, this is just so unacceptable. And I mean, yeah, you still got to know how to act. Our buddy Nick Lashley, he said he's like, yeah, but like, what can you do about it? And I'm like, ban them from games, ban them for life. And he goes, OK, how, how do you know if this guy gets into the garden when there's 18000 people? how are you gonna know like it's true like what do you yeah. do when you ban these you just ban the next guy you but it's just gonna keep happening and it's it's true it's like what can you do at a point what you know i don't know i don't know it's a tough situation and some of these were season ticket holders too so it's like jesus it's like yeah. it's, that's terrible it's a terrible reflection you pay all that money for a season ticket and then you're gonna go dump popcorn on a guy mm. Pat, I threw this next one up on my story just to just to see too. I said, you know, if anyone's got any questions about Yosemite, I'd throw in a listener question. And my boy Caleb from Westfield said, you got any wildlife encounters? And I will say, man, one time we're driving into the park and probably like 60 yards up from the car, you just see a bear just sprint across the road. And it was like a skinny bear, dude, like a post hibernation. Like this, my boy was looking thin and it looked like looking hungry. Dude, looking like a like furry <laughs> human on all fours, just cruising across the room. My girlfriend's like, "What was that?" I was like, "That was a bear." She's like, literally looked like a like a hairy teenager, like mm-hmm. running across the road, like on all fours. So that was cool. We saw like a bunch of deer, lizards, squirrel, all that stuff. But then one thing cool too, we uh, we were leaving on a trail last day. On uh, we were leaving Tulum Grove on Tioga, and uh, I see like a big cat run across 
the trail and i was like there's there's no cat out here what is that and i was like oh that might be a bobcat and we go up to where we saw it run and there's a bobcat just like sitting in between like a couple bushes like looking up at us and we like tell the next hikers and they're looking at him like that boy was just waiting for us to walk by he hopped in there he turned around and he's like all right they turn around on my tack and like, those things so. are sketchy and i'm sure there's a lot of other crazy wildlife out there too i know around here we got like bobcats and fisher cats too but there's probably a lot more than that right out there yeah so i was i was just like i'm glad that you know there were more people coming on the trail going the other way so that you could hear if there was anything but i was like it's like i don't know how big this thing is man but like that's a 30 pound aggressive killer cat you know i'm I'm good i'm allergic bro i'm allergic to cats i'm good i'm good (laughs) and all actually although not in yosemite i this wildlife encounter made me think of this so I used to live in a town called Granville, which is, uh, you know, it's a small town in the woods in, uh, in Western Massachusetts. And we've had a bear in our house before I didn't encounter it, but we literally had one in our house. So I was asleep in the morning upstairs. My mom was getting up for work. I think it was back when I was in like, uh, I was in high school and it was like a probably, I don't know. It might've been like a holiday day, but my mom was getting ready for work, like 6 a.m. She uh she hears something in the kitchen. She thought it was like one of my uh one of my brothers like sneaking home or something from like last night. And she goes in the living room in the kitchen area. They're kind of connected. And there's a freaking bear in our pantry, like rooting around. And we used to it was like hot in the summer. So we used to sleep with just the storm doors closed and the regular doors open just to get a breeze, like cross breeze. And this thing literally saw my mom, was scared of her, but it knew it was in the wrong place. It's a black bear booked it out of a booked it right for the door. Dude just smashed right through it. Just broke the thing like pretty much off its hinges. We had to get it repaired. Yeah, but bear in the house and uh, I missed the entire thing. I woke up. I woke up from text from my mom and she was like, well, there was a uh, there was a bear in the house this morning. I was like, damn, I was asleep. So nuts, dude. Scary for her. I was I was like, yeah, I would kind of wish I saw it. I've had a few black bear experiences in Western Mass in Westfield too, but nothing bad. Like they're, they're cool. And um, one, one quick story to wildlife encounter. It wasn't me just talking to this guy on the trail. And he's like, dude, we saw a freaking grizzly. And I was like, you didn't see a grizzly dog. Like he's talking about it in the Valley, the most populated part of Yosemite. And I was like, dog there, you didn't see a grizzly. People mistake Brown bears in California all the time because Mm -hmm. black bears, their, their, their fur gets sandy. It gets, you know, the heat, the sand, everything. So black bears will have a brown coat. So people yep. mistake, you know, a brown black bear for a grizzly all the time. So I'm thinking he's going to pull up a picture of a brown black bear. It's going to be like 300 pounds. Pulls up the video, full thousand pound grizzly, like in the most populated part of the park. I was like, yo, there's no way. I, I, dude, I wish I could have seen it. I want to see yeah. a grizzly so bad. <laughs> I, yeah, oh, I'm lucky man. we don't have those. Or we didn't have those around us. Just black bears, and they're pretty harmless for the most yeah. part. So yeah, grizzlies, yeah. you don't you don't want to mess with those. I've seen yeah. uh, See I've seen later. I've seen the revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> I don't need I don't need any part of those things. Oh man, that was a great movie. Um, that was a great movie. Enjoyed a lot, dude. Thoughts on the bees so far from our boy John Chu? Another question. They won game one. They're in the final eight you know, and they lost four, three in overtime yesterday. Pat, I'll say I tried to watch it. Them intermissions, dude, those intermissions take so long. They're like 25 minutes in between that overtime period. I couldn't even, I tried to watch it. I watched like five minutes, kept going to commercial. I was like, all right, I can't even commit to this game. So like we said the other week, we don't know hockey. Go yeah. bees, baby. Go from, bees. Yeah. From what I do know, like, you know, 
totally unbiased, right? I think the Bruins are like top two or three teams in the playoffs right now. I think yeah. it's like the Avalanche, the Bruins, and then I know the Canadians just came back on the Leafs, so maybe the Canadians too. But pretty much like those three teams are like the top. So I know the Bruins can do it. And that's yeah. about that's about all I know. I dude, I hope they do. And Pat, that's all I know as well. So we're gonna move on. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get on to what we've learned, Pat. And always we got the bookmakers at. I gotta tell you, Pat. I think you read the book thinkers ad better than I did. I drew it out, week. but it... <laughs> and that was the thing, man. You put it on the screen. I normally just read off my phone because I'm dumb. And man, I was like, I was like, he did this so well. We might have to have him do it, but uh, I'm going to run through it real quick. We'll talk about the ad space next week. You know, our, uh, our free ad space, hit us up, DM us if you want to get an ad in the show. But uh, <laughs> if you read personal development books, man, you know, you got to go check out book thinkers. This company is dedicated to helping you fulfill your life through books every single day and every day on Instagram and every week on the podcast, this team of book thinkers is helping you discover new books and new mentors to help you achieve more and live better. And Pat, I'm a product of it, but the right book at the right time can absolutely change your life. So head on over to Instagram and type in book thinkers, go to bookthinkers.com, check them out. It's a phenomenal team. We love them. We appreciate them. And uh, yeah, now we're going to get on to what we've learned, Pat. So why don't you get on to what we've learned this weekend? I'm surprised looking down here. I wasn't expecting this one, Pat. Well, yeah, I didn't, I couldn't think of anything sports related. That's okay. It's, uh, it's more fun doing the show with Chandler here. Maybe just a co-host in general, but no, no, Chandler. Especially yeah, having Chandler here, all jokes aside. Uh, yeah, doing it alone was fun, but damn, it's, it's fun just talking to someone rather than talking to myself. I can see myself in the recording. I'm pretty much like talking to a reflection of myself. It's, uh, it's way better with someone here. So <laughs> I, I do, I do like that you're back and uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully you'll miss me when I'm gone for a week too. I'm sure I will. It won't be the same way. I, Pat, we might have to have you like record some listener questions or something. <laughs> we, we're going to have to get you involved. Call in from Florida. It's going to be a tough week. Pat's making me blush right now. You know, I'll call so in I'm from the beach. <laughs> That'd be nice. Going to be golfing down there too. Going to be gorgeous. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Pat, but I appreciate that, man unfortunately i don't have anything nice to say about pat and my <laughs> what we've learned but uh i can't say something nice about shoni otani so i everyone's been talking about it the past few weeks man but this guy needs more love and i said it to you before the show pat i was like i can't believe we haven't talked about shoni otani yet yeah i mean we haven't done a lot of baseball we do some headlines and some no hitters but man shoni otani came to major league baseball and people were like no he can't actually pitch and hit he's gonna have to pick a lane he's a pitcher maybe he can dh in a pinch whatever dude this guy has a two point something era is one of the better pitchers in baseball when he pitches had missed 10 days on the on the dl and is tied for second in the league in home runs well fifth four guys have 16 he has 15 this dude is fifth in the league in home runs, sixth in the league in ribbies, and he's a pitcher. I just don't think that this has ever happened. I, you know, this is Babe Ruth. He's better than Babe Ruth at what Babe Ruth did, pitching and batting. And man, I mean, Pat, I said it earlier. I think this is like playing wide receiver and middle linebacker. I think that this is playing point guard and center like Magic Johnson did. And I don't even think that's a good comparison. Like this is this is two different games. Pitching and batting in baseball, it's not offense and defense. It's two different games. This is unbelievable. This is Deion Sanders playing in the NFL and MLB. I, I think Shoni Otani has been unbelievable, and I'd love to get your thoughts on that real quick, man, because 
I just think Shoney is taking the league by storm and he's my favorite thing in baseball right now. Showtime, baby. <laughs> Showtime. I love that. Showtime. Shoney time. Uh, Showtime. <laughs> well, it's funny when you grow up playing baseball, like when, at a young age, your best player usually is like your best pitcher and your best hitter. Most of the time mm. we, you know, my brother was kind of like that too. Like he was the best pitcher and then he was also hitting the ball like crazy. So it's at that age, like, or they play like shortstop typically. It's like, they're either a shortstop or they're your pitcher. And they also just hit the hell out of the ball. So it's a typical thing growing up. But once you get to a professional league, that's insane. We don't see this anymore. And like you mentioned Babe Ruth, like that was an era where I don't care what Babe Ruth's stats are. Obviously, like he was at, probably ahead of his time, but like the dude was like smoking cigars like pregame and like dude, they were still playing with like French caps at that time. Like it's just a completely different time. I mean, he's going up against guys like Giancarlo Stanton and just the meta humans that are in baseball at this time, you know, Aaron Judge, like all these huge guys and talented guys. And not only can he pitch, which is already tough as it is to have a sub three ERA, some of the, you know, some of these pitchers fall off so quick. Some of the best ones haven't even had a sub three ERA in some seasons. So for him to have sub three ERA and be fifth in home runs, you said sixth yeah. in RBIs, he was leading in home runs at one point. So it's it's honestly incredible. It's like you, you he almost is a two sport athlete. I know it's the same sport, but like pitching and hitting, it's insane. It's like it's like if Taysom Hill like not only was out there doing you know receptions and running the ball, but he's also playing as well as Drew Brees. Literally, it it, it makes no sense. Like people are like, oh, he's a video game. Like no, Shoni Otani is a literal. <laughs> you video can't even game do that character. in the video like, game. Yeah, if you go on MLB The Show and take a first baseman or a DH, if you if I took David Ortiz in his prime and went and put all of his pitching stats at like 88 or 90, yeah. the game wouldn't let me do it. You know? <laughs> I don't think there's an option where I can be a first baseman who's crushing the ball, but also dominant pitcher. Imagine if you took Jacob DeGrom and he was just, he had a 30 home run season. Like it's just <laughs> yeah. not, it's not how baseball works. This is no. the matrix is broken. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's failed. The system go down is failed. History, man. I, I'm saying he got put on that 10 day, uh, that 10 day injured yeah. list, but hopefully he, he comes off of it and he's good to go. Well, Pat, hopefully this glitch in the simulation continues and Shoni Otani is doing what he's doing, man. But that's it for us. That's episode 23, Pat. That's crazy to say. It's our Jordan episode, man. It's uh, Yeah, they rack up. Yeah, dude. They're coming fast and furious. And we know we're slacking on guests, guys. We're going to get some fun people back on here. We promise. It's it's summer. You know, it's, it's going to be a great summer of podcasting. But, hey, we just want to tell you guys thank you as we always do, you know, you know, we, we do it. We do it for the listeners, Pat. We get the listener questions. We talk about what they want to hear, man. And, you know, that's, that's why we're doing it. We have so much fun, you know, sharing what we're doing and, you know, experiencing it with people and talking to people like you're saying, Hey, you'd rather talk sports with, with me than uh, talk to yourself. It's mm -hmm. what we do with all of the people listening. It's what we do with all the engagement on the social media. So we thank you guys so much. We have such a blast doing it and, you know, getting us into your podcast rotation it's not easy but we appreciate that hour hour and a half you're spending with us and taking the time on a wednesday to wake up and download our episode and listen to us talk it's a weird feeling but thank you guys so much 
like, subscribe, comment, you know, go to YouTube, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I don't think you can leave a review on Spotify. No, I, I went through that last <laughs> week. I said the same thing. I was like, yeah, yeah. that's Spotify, but Apple <laughs> Music. And if there's anything you want to hear, like, feel free to DM us, guys. Go to the website, send yes. us an email through there. We'll get it. We'll answer. Uh, if there's any segment ideas you have, you want to hear that too, uh, feel free outside of our listener question polls on Instagram, send us a, if you think of one midweek or something, you're thinking one while you're listening to the episode, just message us. Our DMS are open. We'll definitely answer you. So yeah, just we're feel free to reach out to us. We'll definitely communicate with you and uh, whatever you guys want to hear. Cause that's what the show is about. If you guys like listening to us, we'd love to talk about what you want to listen to. So we appreciate you listening. Uh, hopefully you keep doing it and yeah, the show is about you guys. So feel free to keep uh, reaching out to us. Yes, sir. Right off the bus, episode 23. That's a wrap, Pat. Thank you, everybody. You are listening to Right Off the Bus.